Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Let's go to Romans chapter 2. Just wanted to make sure everyone was awake and with me tonight. We're going to continue. Um, I believe I told you, Micah, Romans 2, 28. Interesting stuff here. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. As we wrapped up, as we wrapped up last week, talking about how Paul is directly dealing with the Jews. Speaking of a fist, man, he's giving them the word directly, <laughs> right in the face. So he's saying he's dealing with some of their religious habits and some of the weaknesses of the Jewish traditions and culture because they are the original people of God. He says, for you're not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of circumcision. Here's what he says. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. He's dealing with them in their religion and their traditions and their habits. Because you remember, the Pharisees rejected Jesus even though they had the law and the prophets that predicted his coming. They didn't recognize him. So he's saying a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. He's saying we were called to be the people of God. Through us came the Messiah. So this is a true Jew. is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision, that's a physical act. I'm not going to get into all of it tonight. Is not merely obeying the the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of what? Heart produced by the Spirit. So see, Jesus was always big on motives of the heart. Did you notice that? When Jesus went around and he spoke and he taught, and you even, you even see uh, the Apostle Paul's epistles and the different apostles, they're writing letters to the churches after the Gospels. It was always about your heart. Always about transformation, not just, I go to church. I don't really serve God, but I'm there Sunday. I don't really serve God, but I just show up. I don't really, I'm not active with anything. I don't talk to God. And you know, any hardcore sinners will tell you, I pray at night. Y'all heard that on the streets all the time, huh? You still do. Say, hey man, do you know the Lord? You say, well, I, I go to church. It's like, I didn't ask you that. Have you accepted Jesus? Or say, man, are, are you talking to God? Well, I pray at night. Usually, when that's the only time people pray, it's just because they're asking God for stuff. And you got to pray more often than just praying for your food and just at night. you got to pray as often as possible, man. That's a large part of your walk with God, and it shows that your heart has changed. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God. Wow. Not from people. Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Hmm. Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, see, Paul's looking at deeper issues here. The Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. Do you remember when God revealed himself to Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a great nation? That's the father and founder of the Jewish nation. God was speaking to him so he could separate the Jewish people, all of Abraham's descendants from the rest of the world. Why? God had a plan to bring his law, to show his love, to show his miracles, and to bring the Messiah. Eventually, it became Jesus, Jesus into the world through a people who is separate and set apart from God. At that time, the whole world, most of the world, was just worshiping all kinds of weird gods. Gods with a little g are demons. The Old Testament talks about that. Scripture explains Scripture. Even when God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, Scripture says that people were worshiping goat demons. That sounds horrendous, doesn't it? So we see, though, that God entrusted 
his revelation to the Jewish people so that the Messiah could come through them, so that he could bring us his word through the Jewish people, so he could get us all to heaven. He had to entrust his revelation with somebody, and they were the caregivers of all of his word for the longest time. And then in the New Testament, God opened it up to everyone. It had always really been open to everyone, but he had used the Jews predominantly and the, the laws that he'd given them through Moses and everything else in the Old Testament, the prophets, Psalms, through David. In the New Testament, officially, though, God opened it up for the whole world and said, look, if you, now, if you will just believe, you can go to heaven. You will be part of what Scripture calls, in some of the older translations, the commonwealth of Israel. Does any, is anyone familiar with horticulture, botany, plants and stuff? You can actually graft other plants into a plant, right? Make hybrids and stuff. Scripture says we were engrafted into the commonwealth of Israel. Now we are part of all the promises that God gave Israel, but it's a better covenant. So yeah, there's great benefits because God entrusted all of the word, man. The whole revelation of God to the Jews first. That's why Scripture says often in, in Paul's writing to the Jew first and also the Gentile. True, some of them were unfaithful. But just because they, he's talking about the Jews again, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? No. Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. One translation says, let, every, let God be true and every man a liar. Some women, they're like, mm -hmm, amen. all men are liars. No, that's not what God meant. He meant all mankind. They used to <laughs> Some of you are like, mm -hmm, amen, men are liars, man, I'm telling you, no. No, mankind. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. No matter what, no matter what it looks like, no matter what, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, I love this, you will be proved right in what you say and you will win your case in court. That's a very contemporary translation, but it, it means God's just and he's going to win out for justice every single time. Someone say every single time. Scripture says in Psalms, that the foundation, that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So God will always do what's right. Always. You may not underst understand it. To this day, you may say, man, I have questions, but I just trust God. That's what you got to do at times. You say, man, I don't get it. I don't know why they died young. I don't know why they struggled with illness. They were people of faith. They loved God. They, or why this happened that way, or I don't get it. Man, we live in a fallen world. We don't understand everything. It will all be revealed to us one day in heaven. Then we'll understand it all. Say, oh, that's why you allowed that, God. That's why you brought this judgment. That's why you did this. You will be proved right in what you say, Scripture says, talking to God, and you will win your case in court. But, some might say, this gets interesting, our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people see how righteous God is. <laughs> Isn't it unfair then for Him to punish, what, us? This is merely a human point of view. It's unfair for God to punish us for our sin? Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, I don't like that use of the word in Romans uh, for the New Living Translation. A better translation would be just or righteous. And I know what they mean here, and it's a very modern translation, but it's saying if God were not entirely fair or perfectly just, how would he be qualified to judge the world? You guys remember Abraham's discussion with, with God before God judged Sodom and Gomorrah? I love what Abraham said. It's one of my favorite things to quote. He said, Lord, are you going to condemn the righteous with the wicked? One translation, he says, far be it from you to condemn the righteous with the wicked. 
won't the judge of all the earth do right in this? In other words, won't the judge of the earth do justly? But we know he's qualified to judge the world. He's perfect. Next verse. But some, someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner? <laughs> this is an odd argument here. How can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him what? More glory. Well, some people even slander us by claiming that we say, this is the Apostle Paul saying, some have lied about us. That's what slander is. People talk bad about you. It's untrue gossip. Okay? Some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. <laughs> well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, someone say all people, all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. Can we, can we conclude that? Apart from Jesus, have you seen folks in the world? They are under the power of sin. They do crazy stuff. Have you ever had someone in your family maybe or a relative or an ex or someone you know at work and you're looking at them going, why would you even do that? That's insane what you did. Well, there's a twisted mind there because of the spirit of perversion. Those of you who have taken um, spiritual warfare, but they're under the power of sin. We as believers, we should not be under the power of sin. We shouldn't be slaves to sin. We've talked about those verses in, in recent services. We shouldn't be slaves to sin. We should be slaves to Christ. So, all right, let's move on. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous. Apart from God, no one's righteous. Not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. <laughs> wow. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Oh, man, thank God for Jesus. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Man, they just talk dirty, nasty things. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom, look at this comparison. Snake venom drips from their what? From their lips. Wow. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. You ever been around someone like that? You're going, why are you talking like this? This is awful. They rush to commit murder even. Wow. Destruction and misery always follow them. It's talking about people who are far away from God. They're not righteous. They have not known Jesus yet. Look, they don't know where to find peace. Bring up some pop culture real quick. I don't know. Some of you may like him as an actor, Johnny Depp. But man, I didn't watch any of the hearings. I, I read an article or two just to see what was going on with these people. But I guess he used to be married to a lady named Amber. Um... And those people, <laughs> those people are crazy. They're a good example. They don't know where to find peace. Can you, can you possibly drink enough alcohol and do enough drugs to find peace? Have enough men or women or money or whatever? They said at one point, Johnny Depp was spending 100000 a month in substances. I guess there's no way you could smoke and drink all that, right? I, I mean, he must be sharing it with his friends. Can you imagine... A, People are going, 100000 a month? I don't make 100000 a year. I know. I know. And just lying. And I, you know, it looked, anyway. They're both crazy, and there's a study of crazy there, and one's more crazy than the other maybe, but they're both nuts. And you can just see that they are under the power of sin. Johnny Depp's a great actor, but, man, what, what's talent if you don't make it to heaven? 
I pray that God save him through all this weird stuff. Just bizarre. They don't know where to find peace. I remember the story of, and some of you should look it up if you're a big basketball fan. I'm a big basketball fan historically. I'm no longer a huge NBA fan, although the Celtics are historically my team since 1986. They're in the championship. That's great and all that. But I like the historical NBA and the history of the NBA. There was a guy, and I believe he was from Louisiana. His name was Pistol Pete Maravich. They called him Pistol because he could shoot, man. He could do everything. He could pass the ball. He was way ahead of his time. And I believe after, the, after college and college, he averaged something like 40 points a game. People don't do that anymore. He just, nobody knew how to guard him. He could pass. He could shoot. He was just amazing. Well, he went to the NBA, and he had a, a great career. Many of you haven't heard of him, though. Seven years, but he just kind of left the NBA bitter. And he didn't live to be an old man, but I remember reading some of his story and seeing some of his story, how he finally, finally found peace when he came to know Jesus. Fame and talent and giftedness didn't do it. It's just, it's just not enough. It's just not enough. They don't have peace. And look, look at how this verse ends. They have no fear of God at all. That'll rob your peace. Scripture says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It gives me peace to know that when I drive through town, I'm not real worried about cops. I'm just not. They can pull me over and talk to me and search the truck. I don't have anything hidden in there. I've been pulled over. I, I've testified to you guys recently. A couple months ago, I was leaving Bible study, and I blew a stop sign. It's recorded now. God forgive me. I told the Lord sorry that night. I just left Bible study, and Sarge, Sergeant Burleson was in there. And so when I got pulled over, I was like, I saw the lights in my rear view. I'm like, that, that can't be me. I don't remember the last time I got pulled over. I was, and I, I moved over, man, and, and I went, oh, I, I don't think I stopped it. I, don't, I think I did a protected right turn on a stop sign or whatever. I remember thinking, oh, how weird. But my heart wasn't pounding. I thought, they're going to find something in the vehicle. I mean, I think the, the strongest drug they would have found in the vehicle is I had bought one night before church, a few months before, I bought some of that Vicks VapoRub for my lips. I mean, you could sniff that, I guess. It's just going to clear your nose. But I, I had no fear. The only thing I could think of was, man, I pray I don't get a ticket. But if I do, I, I, I think I blew that stop sign. So the guy walks up, and he's cool. He says, hey, sir, my hands are on the steering wheel. I said, I know what you need. You want me to get it for you? I said, hey, please don't tell your sergeant, man. He goes, my, what do you mean? I go, Sergeant Burleson. <laughs> he was just in the Bible study with me. And he goes, what? I go, yeah, man. And then I blew a stop sign, man. This is not like me. I pastor over here at the church. And he goes, oh, man. Okay, let me just run your stuff. And No problem. But I don't, I fear God enough to not give cops a hard time. I fear God enough to not be doing stuff. But I remember, man, there was this one summer when I was 19 years of age. And, man, that summer I deliberately didn't tithe a few times. And I think I was walking in sin or disobedience or rebellion or all three. And it, I got pulled over all that summer, summer of 1995. I'll never forget that. I went on the south side. I was looking to buy my first investment property. And I rolled through a neighborhood real slow like at 1230 or 1 p.m. in the afternoon. They called the cops on me. 
cops pulled me over and said, sir, well, you were driving through the neighborhood real slow over here. I said, I, I was looking at houses. No, all right. Mm -hmm. Can I see your license registration, please? You know. What? And it's crazy how people who don't have peace and they're not fearing God and there's this cycle of defeat in there. Many people who don't have a healthy fear of God struggle with rebellion against authority. They do. They're just, they're mad at authority or... And it's crazy. I'm telling you. I've watched other believers over the years. And it doesn't happen this way with everybody. This is part of my testimony. But I've seen people who are struggling with problems with authority and cops are just pulling them over all the time. And they're mad at cops. So they're speeding through kids, that, you know, school zones and doing all these crazy things. They don't have, their insurance is expired and they're mad at, at the police. I had a friend like that years ago. Man, we were together one time. And I didn't know he had such a mouth on him. We got pulled over coming to the church, actually. I don't know what we were doing. Pulled into the parking lot out here. It was years ago. And man, he, he gets pulled over by the cops in his broke-down, ugly Ford Ranger truck. He had the back end duct taped or something. It was ugly. It, it looked like a cop magnet, really. His lights are out, probably. But it, we pulled over, man, and he starts cussing. Man, these stupid cops and blankety-blank. And I, I remember thinking... Wow, like, I don't think they did anything wrong by doing their job, but this guy at this time had no fear of God. And we don't have any fear of God. You struggle with rebellion. You struggle with finding peace. You worry about crazy stuff. Let's move on. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. Wow. And to show that the entire world is guilty before God. Outside of God's plan, we're guilty before God. That's what the law came for. The law came to show us that we need Jesus. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Let's move on to the next one. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of what Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God. How? By placing our faith in Jesus. Isn't that simple? If there's a system of rules and regulations, I'm going to tell you all right now, and this is my testimony, I'm not going to do good at, at it. I'm not. I am not going to do good. Well, Pastor Matt, to be saved, you have to do these 100 requirements. Oh, man, I'm, in, I, I'm cooked. What am I going to do? I thank God that the Lord made a way through Jesus. It says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. And when you place your faith in God and you really love Him, Jesus said, those who love me obey my commandments. If you're walking in love, the Ten Commandments come naturally, huh? You honor your father and your mother. You don't covet stuff that's not yours. You don't lie. You don't steal. You don't worship other gods. And look at this. And this is true for everyone who believes Wow, no matter who we are. Let's stay here right now. Scripture says, and we'll cover some more of this in later chapters in Romans, that Abraham's faith was counted for him as righteousness. Because he believed God, God said, you're right with me. Simply because he believed him. What a good example. Is it? Y'all know I like surveys. It's been a while. 
how many of you, it's one of your things, like it's one of your triggers when someone doesn't believe you. You're telling the truth and they don't believe you. Does that bother you? Raise your hand. That bothers me. Sometimes it's just because I want to be right. I'm going to be honest. I'm married. I've been married a while. And sometimes I'm just like, man, Jim needs to believe me because I'm right. You know, come on, girl. Come on, baby. Believe me. You know, do your hands again. If, you, if people don't believe you and you're telling the truth, it, that bothers you. Raise your hand. I wonder how it affects God. Irene's like, oh, I don't care. She's like, I got the facts. I don't care if they believe me or not. Well, Scripture says that a large part of the Israelites died in the desert after leaving Egypt because they didn't believe God. And in not believing him, they complained. They blamed him for stuff. Nothing was good enough. And one translation says he left their corpses out in the desert. That's pretty morbid, isn't it? But they just didn't make it through because they didn't believe God. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. When you place your faith in Jesus and truly do it, man, you're believing God. And this is true for everyone who believes. Someone say believes. No matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. This came up Sunday in the message. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed, excuse me, that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His, what? His blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair. A better translation is just. Perfectly just. When he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Wow. It's it's so beyond fair, the translation there. It's so beyond fair. He was being perfectly merciful. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and merciful and righteous, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Let's stop right there tonight. Romans 3.26. Golly, we, we were moving tonight. We read a lot of the Word. Does anyone have any questions about sin, righteousness, faith, anything at all? It's not a big group. It's probably, I don't even know if it's 20 people in here. So if you have a question, it's okay. We're not going to laugh. There's no such thing as a bad question. Unless it's about the Quran. That would be a bad question. Because I don't know anything about the Quran. I know about Scripture, though. Any, any questions tonight? That's a bad joke, too, by the way. But I like bad jokes, as long as they're clean, right? Any questions? So let me, re- let me reread this last verse, if you don't mind. Let's go from the beginning on Romans 3.26 real quick. Look at this. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. Aren't you grateful? God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just and merciful and righteous, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So what do you got to do to get to heaven? Believe in Jesus. And you walk out your faith by actually living right by the power of God, because you can't do it on your own, and God has to give us a revelation of that. No questions? Romans 3.26. Let's bow our heads and pray tonight, if you would, please. Father, I just thank you for this evening. I thank you for Wednesday nights. They're so special to me. 
and I believe they're special to you because we're, according to Scripture, we're gathering here. And you said in Matthew chapter 18, where two or three are gathered in my name, that's what you said, Jesus. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in their midst. So I know it's special to you when we gather in your name, Lord. Big group, small group, we gather in your name. Father, give us wisdom to serve you and seek you, Father. Show us your way constantly in your word. I know you've already given it to us, but give us the wisdom to apply it. Is there anybody in the house who says, man, if I, if, if I died, if I passed away, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. I need to make sure I'm right with God. That's also for you on the live stream, on the audio recording. If there's anyone in here that says, man, I have never publicly accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, please raise your hand. And even if you've all accepted Jesus, we're going to pray together for those on the live stream and those on the recording for SoundCloud and wherever else this media may go. Please repeat this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, say, I believe in Jesus. Say, forgive me of my sin, please. Say, apart from you, say it again, say, apart from you, I'm a sinner. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. Say, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and that he died and rose again for me. I'm saved by grace and faith. I believe. Say thank you, Lord, for saving me. Now draw me close to you. In Jesus' name. Let me just pray a quick blessing over you tonight. Father, I thank you for your people. May your word continue to soak in and take root in their hearts and my heart as well, Father, and anyone that would ever listen to this message. We trust you. We believe you. We give you all the glory and honor and praise tonight. Thank you once again for Wednesday nights. In Jesus' name, amen.